Hey everyone, this is Tracy Wild Pace um, here at our Deep Dive podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. Um, I have the great honor of being the pastor of our Capital Young Adult community, which is our College Young Adult Ministry of Capital Church. And um, today um, we're having, which is really just a frequent guest, pretty much a co-host of what will be a co-host on most of this Deep Dive podcast, we hope. He has seven kids, so we're going to yeah, get him as we'll much see. as we can. But our lead pastor and also my big brother, Chris Wild, is with us today. Um, he is the smartest one we know, and uh, we're going to have some good talks about, and really probably um, one of the great um, influences behind this podcast and just the progression of this, and hopefully we're, we're just excited about where it could go. So welcome to your first you. of many podcasts, Chris. Yeah. Well, it's an honor to be a part of this, and I love the name Deep Dive. That's a cool Do you really? Name. I kind of felt like you I made like fun it. of it, but no, no, okay. I like it. All right, I like thanks. It. Uh, yeah, it's an honor to be a part of this, and I can't wait. I l- I'm looking forward to talking through all things like Bible, mm-hmm. culture, philosophy, all the good stuff. So it's it's an honor. I've been told I have a voice for podcasts. So <laughs> they told me that, that too. That Is that offensive though? Yeah, that I, we have I think a, I have a poor face. No, no, no. They didn't say we have a face for podcasts. That's remember the old adage: you have a face for radio. Got it. Got it. Got I, so it, got I think we're okay. okay. We okay. have a voice for podcasts. Right. Hopefully, we'll see. But we'll see. You email us um, at CYA Podcast and let us know if we yeah. really do have a, a good voice for we're this. We're making it. We're, making we're trying. It. We're trying, guys. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm excited to have Kristen today because we're going to talk about um, a couple of weeks ago. We talked about Jesus as living water. Yeah. What was cool about this, and I think I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, but I'll I'll re-mention it. It was funny, remember that day I came over to your house and I was just talking about the podcast and yeah. maybe some of the things we we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. And I had mentioned to you, I'm like, I'm really just struck by these themes of Jesus as living water or just living water throughout John's text. Um, and just overall, the overall theme of water in the Bible. And I just mentioned it and you looked at me and what, and you're, you're in the middle of grad school right now. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so you looked at me and go, that's so weird. Cause I'm literally going to write a paper or I am writing a paper on living yeah, water. Thinking through you're stuff thinking like that. You're thinking through yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. And we attempting had, to write. Well, you'll, and yeah. you'll do great. This guy gets a hundred percent on his papers. You guys, it's annoying, but, and I already graduated. And I don't think I ever got a hundred percent on anything. <laughs> Stop it. Um, but I thought it was cool because this is during quarantine. We yeah. and, and you and I talk frequently, but we hadn't been talking that much about like culture, topics, Bible, just not as much as we normally do. So the fact that we both were, it was just random. Yeah. It must have been the Holy Spirit, you yeah. know, for us Pentecostal charismatics, yes, you yes. know, if you like that. But um, yeah, so I, we, a couple weeks ago we talked about it. Jesus is living water from John, specifically landing or focusing, zeroing in on John's gospel. Of course, we know the first miracle in John's gospel mm-hmm. is um, Jesus turning water into wine. He uses these traditional um, ritualistic, um, what do you call those, like buckets, right? Yeah. That they would use for their rituals and yeah. and all those kind of things. And then he, instead of, of using them to take a sacrifice, he turns that water and turns it into wine. It's the great first miracle of Jesus yeah. and John. You go to John chapter 4, we have the uh, scandalous... Um, conversation between Jesus, the rabbi and a Samaritan woman, which is just like absolutely unheard of on so many different levels in culture, in religious culture, but also their, just their, their natural culture, um, and the way they do things have this great thing. Jesus then introduces this is this theme of living water. You know, he tells the woman and we'll talk about more. I'm just giving a highlight of this 
Then you get to John, um, so that's John 4, then you John 5. I love, I love John 5 when the man um, at the pool of Siloam, remember he wants to get healed, but he can't get himself in the water. And he yeah. keeps asking people to get him into the water because they, they believed those waters were like magical healing waters, really. There was power there. Yeah. Um, and it was very, it was a strong tradition in their world. And then instead of Jesus picking him up and putting him in the water, Jesus heals him next to the water. It's just, it is, it's powerful. And then, then we move on to John chapter seven and we talked about this. And this is probably where we spent the most time in the last podcast about this a few weeks ago was that then there's the great festival, the Feast of the Tabernacles. And this is that annual feast where people come all over. They pitch tents all around um, the, the tabernacle and they would, for seven days, they would um, be taking, the priests would take water, um, I believe from the pool of Siloam too, yeah. from the pool to the altar, dump it on the altar blood, uh, and put blood on the altar from sacrifices for seven straight days. And then on the seventh day, it's an even a more elaborate festival yeah. and theme and they do it more and they're doing it continually. And so I just imagine here, Jesus is sitting here for these seven days. Yeah. For all we know, Jesus had been there with everybody else watching this happen for seven days and at the last day um jesus stands up stands up commands attention of everyone and says you know if anyone is thirsty um you come to me and then goes on to say out of your heart will flow rivers of living water it and so there again we have this living water theme um it's fascinating to me at least and maybe it isn't to our podcast listeners but for us bible nerds you and i that like just get really excited about these themes it's like there's got i don't believe there's mistakes in the bible it's divinely inspired i think that there is deep that's why it's called deep dive i really do believe that there are nuggets of gold that are hidden within not intentionally hidden from us so that we can't find them but we're so separated from the time that this is written i do believe this and if you've done interns with us at capital church you know i say this or you're part of capital young adults i say this all the time the bible was not written to us but it was written for us yeah we weren't the original hearers we are not the people that were a part of this culture or this ethnic group or this religious sect we don't have that framework so oftentimes what seems mysterious is just hidden because it's outside of our yeah, our, our concepts yeah. right outside of our our language it's 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 a linguistic we don't know it's a tradition we don't know it's a it's a cultural references we don't know and so that's the stuff i love and that's what i think you're amazing at unpacking is just seeing what does this living water really mean to the Jewish hearers yeah. or the people of this time? Like the people who would have been that John's talking about, that John's writing about, the people that would have been at the feast, the people would have been around Samaritan when Jesus is encountering this woman and he's talking about living water. Like what would that have looked like? What does that mean Yeah, yeah. in their day? Yeah. No, I mean, I, th- I think that's that's great, Trace. Uh, what as a prelude to what you're talking about, I think what's really important, you find this in the Synoptic uh, Gospels. Uh, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, you have John the Baptist who, mm-hmm. and I always thought that I would read through kind of the prologue of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and I would see John the Bapti- Baptist, who's the baptizer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, make this statement about Jesus. And uh, if you remember, and our audience remembers, uh, this is what he said, I baptize, I will baptize you with water, mm-hmm. right? But he's talking about this messianic, um, figure, but I will or he will baptize with the Holy Spirit, yeah. and so I always that statement for me was enigmatic, and uh, I I kind of passed through that because I think many times in our modern Western world we've marginalized the Holy Spirit, 
Mm. Um, and we've excluded the Holy Spirit as um, the defining feature of our life, right? Uh, we are living, Acts 1 and 2 tells us that we are now living in the age of the Spirit. Mm. But interestingly, and this is the great irony of our age, is that we don't acknowledge the Holy Spirit, um, I think, like we should. And I think there's a lot of different reasons. Uh, but what's fascinating is that the synoptic Gospels agree with John the Baptist that he's actually not the baptizer. Mm. John the Baptist is saying, basically, I'm not John the Baptist, so stop <laughs> nicknaming me that, right? Wow. He's saying that this messianic figure, who we will come to find out is Jesus, is the one who will come and not only usher in a um, new creation, which is the radical transformation of space and time and matter, but he will come and baptize us with the Holy Spirit. So I, I, I think what's fascinating about that is John the Baptist is making it very clear that the defining feature of Jesus's public ministry wow. is to give the Holy Spirit. Hmm. That's fascinating. Yeah. That the suffering death of Jesus, his incarnation, we can call it embodiment, his suffering death, his burial, his bodily resurrection, his ascension, um, is what we usually focus on, right? Uh, when it comes to Jesus. We probably need to focus more on the ascension of Jesus and what that means uh, in the Western world. Mm -hmm. But at least we focus on the crucifixion of Jesus and the achievements of Jesus on the cross. The problem is that we usually exclude the role of the Spirit, uh, and we kind of forget that here the, the synoptic authors are agreeing with John the Baptist that Jesus came to give us the Spirit. Wow. So I think that's a prelude to what you talked about yeah. a couple of weeks ago and what yeah. you mentioned here um, uh, uh, today. And I think one of the reasons, if I could just say this really quick, I think one of the reasons why we marginalize um, the role of the, of the Holy Spirit in our age is because we live in a disen disenchanted age. Mm. Like we're really hyper-modern. Yeah. And so, and thank God for technology, right? Thank right. God for medicine. Especially right now. <laughs> Especially right now. Thank God for all of our um, frontline workers, right? Mm -hmm. Healthcare workers, our healthcare industry. What they're doing is amazing. Um, to be hyper-modern, though, is to, to overemphasize, though, the science and technology. Mm -hmm. We hijack it and we make it the point, and that becomes our ultimate truth. And within wow. like this hyper-modern world, we become disenchanted, right? So we... We assume that we can have, in the words of one philosopher, Charles Taylor, we can have significance without um, transcendence. And wow. so within that kind of, if, if I can use this word, kind of this cultural zeitgeist, we... Um, Explain that for our listeners. I know. I'm sorry, I don't I should, think they're ready yeah, for yeah, that. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Sorry out there. <laughs> I think within, we'll say, our cultural environment, right? right we've... We'll say we've colluded with it, mm. and uh, we've by doing that, we've marginalized the Holy Spirit. Spirit, right? What do you mean? Like, is the Spirit going to come and haunt me? Ghosts, right? Holy Ghost, yeah, right. We just anything Spirit, anything metaphysics, anything God, soul, that stuff. We don't like need that because we have all this good stuff, right? We can have significance without any of that. So I think in some ways, and I, th I think it's more unconscious. I don't think people are uh, in the church world necessarily thinking through this, but I think they've kind of colluded with this. Um, but back to the point, the Holy Spirit uh, is the defining feature of the new age mm. that Jesus ushers in, new creation. Yep. Uh, so back to what you were talking about in John. John, uh, and this is just my thoughts, and I'm sure people can disagree with me, and I've just gathered from a lot of different scholars, 
John's narrative structure really seems to focus on the spirit. Yeah. Like, as you mentioned before, um, John focuses on uh, the beginning and the six-day week and how Jesus, through his suffering death, brings us into the seventh day or the Mm -hmm. eighth day, which is the beginning of God's brand new world. And we've talked about that. I know you probably talked about that as well. But I'm seeing more increasingly as I read through um, the stories of Mm -hmm. John that he really wants us to focus on, on the spirit. Wow. Well, and just to um, remind the readers if they don't know, so John's gospel is not written by John the Baptist. It's written by yes. John, thank the beloved for, disciple. Thank you for Well, just for clarity's clarifying, sake, because yeah, I don't clarifying. know, there could be, we could have viewers who are just new to the Bible. Yeah. I, 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 we always want to make sure that we clarify those things That's for good. them. But, That's good. Um, so it's interesting. I like that. Like We have found, I think, so much significance in things outside of the Spirit. So do you think Jesus is saying when he's saying come to me and he's talking about living water um he's speaking about obviously the messianic time which has not come yet like Mm -hmm. jesus is is a rabbi right now he's not living in the fullness of his his messianic role which will then happen obviously in the achievements of of the cross the death burial and resurrection of jesus and then then is he speaking to them when he talks about living water he's speaking to um, the action of the spirit, like what, what yeah. that will look like, what, and then when he says in John seven, is he then saying, once you receive that meaning him and receive the reality of, of what the Messiah did, then we too, out of our hearts, out of our lives will flow rivers of living water. Is he speaking? Is that all like spirit language? Is that what Jesus is talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think, um, This might be an awkward way of saying it, but Jesus is a spirit-drenched person. (laughs) Um, There's probably better ways we can say that. No, I like that. I think that's good. um, That could be the next podcast. I think we could totally, (laughs) yeah, we can coin that. But what forms, and this is just, and I know you probably, you spoke to this a couple weeks ago, but what forms the backdrop of John's gospel is Ezekiel 47. Right. So you have the, we'll call it the the temple in the future, this future temple. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can call it the eschaton, right, which is the age to come. Ezekiel has this magnificent vision of a river, which is crazy. A river flowing out of a temple. Like, what can that mean? Mm. Well, within the ancient world, we know that temples, and this is kind of part of ancient cosmology and how the ancient people saw the world and temples, is that they saw temples or tabernacles as heaven-earth constructs. Yeah. Right? So they were like little, we'll call it microcosmos. So within these temples, you had heaven and earth kind of colliding mm. together, right? God's space interacting, overlapping with, um, with our space. And so we have this heaven and earth construct, and then you have a river flowing out of it, um, which, again, would evoke Genesis chapter 2. Right. right? That's, that's exactly where my mind just went. I like yeah. almost went right back to the garden. So the garden isn't just like a garden uh, on face value. Right. Uh, the garden is actually a heaven-earth construct. In other words, it's a temple. Mm-hmm. And we don't have time to talk about this, but Adam has, in, in Hebrew, there's a lot of Hebrew language um, referring to uh, uh, Adam and what he does in the garden, but it's priestly language. Mm-hmm. So we can we can conceive or construe of, of Adam as a priest in this garden temple, right? Uh, bringing it into into flourishing. So this passage, that's all to say, and hopefully that's not too much, no, cool. but that's all to say... Yeah that we have a temple out of the temple is a river that brings healing right food to people and Mm. and medicine or healing to the people what i find interesting 
is that when we when we go to John chapter one and John chapter two, so so essentially the prologue of John, yeah. John tells us that Jesus is the tabernacled, right? He is tabernacled among us. Yeah. So what is that? That's temple language. So essentially what John tells us in the first two chapters is that Jesus is the new temple, right? Mm. He's the living, walking, breathing temple. So if we go back to the, we, we have to think of Ezekiel 47 as the yeah. backdrop of this prologue. Then we move into, as we begin to see Jesus as the new temple, we, be, we move into John chapter three, John chapter four. Mm-hmm. I think you mentioned John five, yeah. right? And even John chapter seven. And what is John doing? He is taking Ezekiel 47, the temple slash river, and he's conflating those two or locating them in Jesus. He's telling us in chapter one and two that Jesus is the new temple. Mm. And then in chapter three, four, five, and seven, and chapter 19, that Jesus is the living water. He's the one, as we mentioned, kind of at the beginning of this, the one who gives the spirit. So it's like, it's that picture of he is that river. He is the temple river. Yeah. Wow. And so this is a lot of different scholars. You can you can call it whatever you want, but this is sophisticated mm-hmm. theology, right? And hopefully we're not too deep diving it today. It's called deep dive. Yeah. So yeah. if, right, if right. they if they're going to listen, good. they better be ready for yeah. some deep deep dive. <laughs> yeah. But I I mean I love it. I, I John wow. chapter three at least three times. Right. Jesus refers to being born of the Spirit. Um, in his like conversation right. with Nicodemus and yep. Nick and Knight, right? Every youth pastor, <laughs> that Nick was their sermon. Nick, I haven't heard that for Nick a long Knight, time, right? And then we and then we segue into John chapter four. You have Jesus, as you mentioned, and mm-hmm. the Samaritan woman. What is the first thing that Jesus asks the woman? He says, "Give me a drink," mm-hmm. right? And so the whole conversation is around water. Wow. And I think what John is again drawing us back to this Ezekiel forty-seven magnificent vision of the temple and water flowing out of it. Uh, and then we come to John chapter 7, as you mentioned, we don't get into it, is the Feast of Tabernacles. Mm-hmm. I love this. I haven't seen this until recent, um, but one scholar suggests when Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And then Jesus goes, he who believes in me, as yeah. the scripture has said, out of his heart, right, will flow rivers of living water. Well, I think there's a growing consensus with scholars. I want to because, be careful. Yeah, and I, I'm interested because there, I, I mean, as I've studied that, it is, it's hard to understand exactly the what translation that last of that. phrase. Yeah, the translation is, it's a loose translation. Yeah. It's difficult for us in, in our modern language. So I'm really excited actually yeah, for well, this. Yeah, and this is a thought and, um, and this is my opinion. I am not a scholar, but according to some scholars, what Jesus is obviously saying is Jesus has come to give the spirit. And that we can actually translate this verse as, now think of it, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, Mm -hmm. right? We can translate that last clause as out of the Messiah's heart will flow rivers of living water. So it it, it can be translated that. And then if you skip all forward all the way to John chapter 19, Jesus is on the cross. And what is one of the first things that he says? I thirst. thirst. Right, I'm thirsty again, yeah. evoking Ezekiel forty-seven. And John's 47. gospel is the only one that gives that picture of Jesus on the cross. Yeah, right. Like we don't see that in the synoptic gospels like that. Is, as detailed as yes, that. Yeah. as detailed as we see in John. And there's, I mean, John has clearly John has a theme. Yeah. John is making a point. Yes, as he writes his gospel. Yes, that's so good. And he's evoking when he says, "I thirst." The conversation with the Samaritan woman, right? Mm. The saying that you mentioned in John chapter seven. All the references to uh, the spirit and then he says it's it's 
finished. It's finished. Right. And then it's through, and this is what John is essentially saying, it's through Jesus' suffering death on the cross, right? That's the sixth day. Yeah. Uh, and then through the bodily resurrection, uh, it is Jesus who then pours out the Spirit and launches, in the words of one New Testament scholar, new creation, which then leads us into God's brand new world. And then I love this. John then writes, he gave up his spirit. Huh. Like we use, we, we think of that euphemistically, that like, okay, that's a, a way to refer to Jesus dying. Recently, I've come to believe that this actually, uh, the word that used he, the Greek word for he gave up, uh, simply means to pass on. Hmm. One scholar says to deliver. And uh, it's referred, the spirit is referred to the pneuma. So a better way to probably translate mm, this is that mm-hmm. he gave up, not his spirit, wow. but he gave up the spirit. So you look at John, John is really interested in the spirit. Well, and I don't mean to backtrack, but we, there's you were getting ready to say it, or I think you were, but it, it's crazy in John chapter 19. And when he says, I'm thirsty, yeah. it's also in John's gospel that we see. And we know that traditionally speaking, when they would crucify someone, they would break their legs to try to speed yeah. up the process of, of death. In Jesus's case, he died before they had the opportunity to break his legs. Yeah. So what do they do instead? They pierce his side and in his side comes out. John shows us and tells us water yeah. and blood, yeah. which makes my mind just go crazy back to like then i go rushing back to john 7 john 4 john 5 john 3 first chapter first two chapters of john it's this this clearly jesus is who he says he is like jesus is who he says he is and he's come to do what he said he was going to do and john john's gospel like lays that out for us in a way that i don't think the other gospels that you know show us and, and not that and i yeah. love all four gospels because they all give us a different lens and a different picture to a different audience and they're writing from a different perspective but john he's crazy obsessed and i love it yeah. with this theme of what you're saying the spirit yeah jesus is and has come to bring us the spirit yeah that's so good and it's the spirit um that fills us with grace and power mm-hmm. to be who god's called us to be so human flourishing according to John. Like if we want if we want shalom and righteousness, right? Yeah. If we want well ordered relationships, if we want hope and joy, you know, the, the modern word is obviously happiness. If we want all of that, uh, you can't locate that out of our relationship or probably a better way of saying it, our partnership with the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so John is making it very clear that Jesus came and through his suffering death, not in any way to minimize the achievements of Jesus on the cross right. and the bo- and bodily resurrection as not a redescription of death, but as a defeat of death itself. And then the launching of new creation. We don't want to minimize any of that. But the point of that and even the ascension of Jesus over creation is that uh, it is a fulfillment of Ezekiel 47 mm-hmm. and the whole raison d'etre of Jesus or purpose of Jesus's public ministry is to give the Holy Spirit. Wow. And why why that's important, again, I think a lot of scholars have some great thoughts and pastors have some great thoughts about this, but uh, Paul mentions that the Holy Spirit is a down payment. <laughs> what does that even mean, right? Yeah. It's a commercial metaphor, right? Mm. And it kind of describes like putting like certain amount of money down before you buy the whole house, yeah. you know, or something like yeah. that. Um, I used to think like, ah, I don't know what that really means. 
the down payment actually is a reference to the eschaton or the future. So the Holy Spirit is given to us as a glimpse of what the future is like. So I I love what Michael Morales, he talks about how the the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the environment of heaven, Mm. right? And Jesus talks about this. Let's pray not that we leave planet Earth, right? And God trashes it, annihilates space-time continuum. Um, But Jesus prays, I want want you to say, let heaven come Come to to Earth. And so the Holy Spirit is the one who is the environment of heaven itself, is the future to come, and he is the down payment, and he fills our life with the power of God. So we can truly be who God's called us to be. Wow, that's amazing. I love that down payment. That and that it, when you, I've never heard it like that before. And I think hearing that gives you a sense back to what you said at the very beginning it's this, um, I think we do live in a, in a world that there is just not a strong sense of the need for the spirit. Yeah. Like we do, we, I think we, um, we depend on so many other things. We live in the information age. We live in the digital age. We live in the world where yeah. everything, I mean, even in this quarantine, we have access to pretty much everything via delivery or, yeah. you know, like online. But what we really have to understand, and I think you've, painted that picture so well and so beautifully is that the spirit is necessary and Jesus came to give us the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We're, 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 that's the kind of live we're living in a, we're living in that world. We're living in the post resurrection world, which yeah. means we live in the spirit. Now, my concern with that is, and we know this growing up in church, it's like you either have people who don't want the spirit because it sounds mystical and yeah. weird and interesting. But then other people who are, might be listening or get very excited when we talk about the Spirit. And they may, not that we overemphasize, because the Spirit is so essential, mm-hmm. but how do we live within, how do we live with the tension that we don't make the Spirit um, or our expression to it overly spiritual? I don't know if that's the word. Or, or, or yeah. we, can we just be honest, weird? And I think that's what's turned off. That has turned off, I think, people from Christianity and from some churches is they think they go to a church and they're like, oh my gosh, those people, they're very into the spirit. Yeah, yeah. It's like, how do we, because How do we not become hyper, hyper Pentecostal? Yeah, and because I think that uh, you're you're totally right. I think we live within two camps. It's like people Mm -hmm. don't even recognize that they need, I don't think they even know it. They don't even realize they don't act like they need the spirit and then there's other people that definitely like live in the world where it's like hyper hyper yeah like spirit 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 and yeah. they kind of freak me out to be honest yeah. like i love them but yeah. it, is that okay to talk about on this podcast we'll find I out hope so. we can we'll edit see. it we'll see this <laughs> well, is tracy wells podcast <laughs> uh what well, what are your thoughts on yeah, that no i i yeah no i think it's it's difficult and obviously it's it's a it's a complicated question I just think the Holy Spirit isn't weird, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit isn't dramatic at times. Right. Uh, I mean, and you look at the prophets too. I mean, they did some interesting things, right? Um, I, I just think that the the more you immerse yourself in Scripture, right? One of my favorite scholars says you got to soak yourself in Scripture. You <laughs> got to like take chunks of it, right? Yeah. So as you continue to give yourself to Scripture and you maintain a relationship within community, like we are community people yeah like the early church they 
they did church around, they did life around the table, yeah. right? So I think insofar as you're immersing yourself in scripture, uh, you're doing life together in a community with people that you're open to correction. And then I think as you continue to uh, be formed by the Spirit, and, and as you get closer to the Spirit, I think we'll see less abuse. Mm-hmm. I do think that there, one of the bigger problems, and I think I can say this because I actually did this, is that I saw a lot of abuse right. of the Spirit, and um, I reacted to that. And so I created a caricature of any kind of spirit talk when I was younger. Yeah, I, I remember I even one time I had a really heart-to-heart conversation with, with my mom. And because we grew up charismatic. And, and we are charismatic. And we are you charismatic. You sound like we are anymore. Yeah, yeah. We are. I am, yeah, we are. We're still charismatic. Um, but I remember uh, we were in a, a specific time period in our church where we really emphasized the gifts. Right, yeah. And I saw a lot of abuse. I'm sure you saw some mm-hmm. of the abuse. I'm sure you abused some of the gifts. <laughs> no, you and I gave courtesy falls. Let's just be honest. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We gave a few. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast could get real yeah, fun yeah, real it quick. Could get, it could get crazy. Oh, okay. Um, but no, in my conversation with my mom, I've just because of the abuse, I, I in all seriousness, said, "Mom, I think I want to become a Baptist." And there's nothing wrong with being a Baptist. I'm just like I just want to get as far away, and I'm sure they're spirit-filled Baptists, but right. I wanted to get as far as way, uh, far away from uh, the spirit, spirit talk. Hmm. Um, but then I matured, and I realized that the way to correct abuse. An abuse is not to reject it. Like, let's yeah. not throw out the baby with, with the, the bathwater, bath right? The, the correct way is um, to uh, use it correctly. It's mm-hmm. right use, right? And so um, I do think there are a lot of people that reject um, spirit talk is because they've seen some weird things. Yeah. Um, but I just, again, I just think as we, we get closer to Jesus, right, as we immerse ourselves in Scripture... Uh, as we maintain a right relationship with our local church community, uh, it's Jesus yeah. who gives us the Spirit, yep. right? And He wants to fill us. We, we, you know, we believe here at Capital that there's one baptism but many fillings, yep. and Jesus wants to fill us with His presence. What is it? Ephesians five, Paul says, to be filled mm. with the Holy Spirit. Yep. The construction of that grammar. Uh, is pretty complicated, but it's used in the passive sense, meaning that it's God who fills us. We don't fill ourselves, right? right? It's used in the continue, continual sense where we have to continue to be filled up with the Spirit. And um, and so as and it's also used in the imperative tense as well, right? So this is a command. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus wants to give us his Spirit. And uh, it's God's empowering presence in the words of Dallas Willard that enables us to be who God's called us to be. So I just think it's like, hmm. how about we just focus on the spiritual disciplines right. and being close with Jesus, and he'll give us the spirit. And I think even if we're weird, things will kind of sort itself out. Well, and I love that because the way that I've always tried, because and yeah, we had the same upbringing because we're siblings. And so I remember you and I talked through a lot of this growing up because we did think probably more than our sister because she was just, just kidding she was on last week and we can talk about her totally. but I, I talked about last week like remember yeah. Michelle was the one that was like praying in a room and a glory cloud was glory coming cloud came and out you and I were day. playing like Nintendo or something yeah. right like maybe yeah. the joke's on us we're not as spiritual but but then but what I think as I've grown up and matured too and understanding you were throwing knives at me just anyways. <laughs> okay oh my gosh we will talk about that yes, story please, one time and we it. will clarify yeah. what happened um but 
I think it's the activity of the spirit, mm-hmm. right? The Holy Spirit, there's, there's the activity of the spirit. So if you're filled with the spirit, I think the, the, the role should be, or the, um, the remedy for all of this is that your life will live in sort of like a look of activity of the spirit, meaning you will do what the spirit does. You will lit, you'll look like Jesus, talk like Jesus, exactly. live like Jesus, you know, like you will have what is it? Galatians five. five. You will live within the fruit of the spirit. Exactly. It'll flow out of you. You mm-hmm. will be patient. You'll be kind. You'll have self-control. You know, it's like all these things. And that um, might take time. Right. right. And that's a process. But as you continue to get closer to Jesus, right, that should be the fruit that's evident in your life. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, when we grew up, maybe seeing abuses and, and maybe seeing people um, or situations that we were like, ah, I don't know. For me, the great gauge was whether or not I didn't understand the expression, what I looked at was the activity of the spirit in their life. Yeah. If there was an action of the spirit, if they were just, if they were living it within that and, and there was like an overflow of that activity of the spirit, who am I to judge, um, you know, how they, how it is expressed or how they receive that feeling, like you were saying, yeah. one baptism, many feelings of the Holy Spirit. But um, that helped me, I think too, is to, de- and then for my own self, loving um, the reality that we live in this, we can live within the activity of the spirit. And what that means is um, tabling with people, yeah. loving um, within our community, caring so, for people, yeah. you know, helping those that are in need. When I live like that, I'm living within the reality that Jesus says, yeah. like, this is his living water. You're thirsty, come to him and he will fill you yeah. with this activity of his spirit, this action with heaven. With heaven. That's pretty wild, actually, when you think about it. It's with like the future. He'll fill you with the future. That down payment thing kind of like... He'll fill like, you with new heaven, new earth me. reality. Yeah. yeah. It's like giving us this little picture of what it is mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's the picture of what it was always supposed to be in the garden. But yes. one day we will all be exactly. in that kind of realm. Exactly. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, And I think really quick, um, when we talk about the spirit as God's empowering presence... One thing that we choose not to do is obsess over power, mm-hmm. right? God will empower you. I think the problem that I've seen when it comes to maybe it built into the heart of abuse when it comes to spirit talk or spirit living or whatever is that people start to obsess over power, mm. um, obsess over gifts at the expense, the gifts of the spirit at the expense of the fruit of the spirit. Um, and they should, and we see this in Paul, uh, both the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, as you kind of mentioned, they should not compete. Mm-hmm. There's no competitiveness yeah. between those two. They complement each other. So I think if, if we're going to obsess about anything, let's just let's be with Jesus, right? That's good. Uh, let's um, be filled with the Spirit and then begin to live that out as uh, we're led by, by the Holy Spirit. I love that. I think... This has been a really, really, at least for me, super encouraging picture into what John is talking about throughout his his text, but also even, you know, these references of the Old Testament. I think I'm going to look at every prophet. It's referenced to river and waters differently. You know, Ezekiel has them, Isaiah has them, um, other Old Testament prophets have it. And I think now I'm going to have this new, bigger, fuller picture of what it's pointing to. And then, oh, the down payment. Come on. Jesus came and gave us the opportunity to 
to live within the reality of the spirit, to be filled with the spirit, which is a down payment for what it is. It's like it's like a heaven reality coming mm-hmm. into our world, at least a picture of it. Mm-hmm. We don't have the full picture yet, but yeah. at least we got part of it. Hey everyone, thanks for being with us today. We hope that you were encouraged. We want to remind you, subscribe to our podcast. You can be listening in every week. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media. We have our Instagram at Capital Young Adults. We also have our Facebook page. We'd love if you would follow us on there. And also, if you have any prayer requests, we want to be praying with you. Shoot us a direct message or an email. That way we can be praying with you in this time. We love you guys. We hope you have the best week and we can't wait to be back with you this time next week. 